the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz Fiddler. And as always, thanks for being here. Today, we are going to talk about growing in a small space and ultimately the term succession farming. So a lot of people ask, oh, how many acres do you grow on? And they are shocked when I say somewhere between a fourth and a half of an acre. And I produce a lot of bouquets, literally hundreds a week, literally hundreds of bouquets a week I produce. And so that's not a lot of space. And people are usually pretty shocked by that. But honestly, it's it takes a lot of planning and a lot of organization and, you know, just timing things out and knowing when things bloom. And it's pretty doable to do in a small space. And I think that hopefully you'll listen to this and you can maybe tailor it to your backyard garden. You know, if you only have, if you have a 20 by 20 garden, that's pretty good. You could really incorporate a lot of these practices. So ultimately where I grow the space that I have, so I have one high tunnel right now. It's 16 feet by 50 feet, which makes that 800 square feet. I have space near the tunnel. That garden is about 30 by 30 feet, which puts that at 900 square feet. And don't worry, I will do the math for you at the end. My annual rows in my U-Pick area are four foot by 60 foot. And I have 18 of those. So that's just over 4,300 square feet. And then I have a small garden down by the road that's, well, it's small to me, 30 by 50 feet, so 1,500 square feet. So a total of just over 7,500 there. And then where my peonies are, that is six rows that are 120 by 5 feet, so roughly 3,600 square feet, and roughly another 15 by 65 of perennials, so another 525 there, so just over 4,000 in perennials. That means an acre is roughly 43,000 square feet, and I grow just under 12,000 square feet, so just over a fourth of an acre. That might sound crazy, but how it works is I plan to use that space very wisely. Now I do plan on potentially even as early as this spring adding another high tunnel that's 100 feet by 16 feet, mainly because I need more flowers in the fall for my wedding. So obviously I need another high tunnel, but uh, we'll get to that later. Even if I do that, that's still only another 1600 square feet. So closer to a fourth of an acre than a half an acre still. So when I plan this out, um, ultimately, I try to plant a lot of different flowers that are going to be blooming at different times and then figure out their days to maturity or when they're blooming. And then I can plant multiple things in the same spot. So there are three types of flowers categories that I kind of look at. The first one is considered cut and come again. I use that term a lot in my U-Pick areas where the more you cut them, the more you grow or the more that they produce. Again, we talked about this when the ice cream truck was here with the little kids and they were cutting my zinnias and they ended up really trampling them. So that zinnia plant, its job is to produce another plant. That's its only job is to continue living by going to seed and producing another plant. So if you cut off one of their stems, it signals the plant to make another one and then it makes another bloom. So zinnias, cosmos, marigolds, the more you cut them, the more they produce. 
Then there's the category that I call medium producers. Snapdragons and Lysianthus are probably the two that I really count on two flushes, I call them. Snapdragons, I usually get a big flush late June to mid-July, and then once it gets really hot, they're done. But then in the fall, I'll get quite a few again. And then new to me, I mean, I have grown them on a small scale this year, the Lysianthus, but I'm going to have a lot of them this year. And they'll give you, again, a flush or, you know, two flushes where you cut them and then later on they'll produce another one. So those are kind of the medium producers. And then we have what is called one and done, or that's what I call them, the pro-cut sunflowers. Bupleurum, stock, cress, plants like that, that once you cut them, they're just done. For the most part, I try to do ones that are going to bloom early. A lot of those that I mentioned bloom mid-June to mid-July for me. They're already done in mid-July. So what I'll do is I'll dig them out in July and then find something with a short days to maturity. So for here, that's pretty much sunflowers. Like I said, the pro cut variety that I do is somewhere around 50 days to maturity. So if I plant them July 15th, if I dig up the stock are done blooming, I either start them in seed trays or I buy them as plugs, which again is going to be its whole other episode buying plugs, but they are done by late June. So then I dig out the whole plant and then I just drop a bunch of sunflower seeds in their spot. So now I've gotten two flowers in the same spot. So that same square footage takes up the same amount of space. And again, the stock and the pro-cut sunflowers can be both planted in like four inch spacing. So it's perfect. I just put them in the same hole. So that works out really well to just kind of categorize like that, what it's going to be done. And then when I talk about tulips, so my first year really grown tulips, I grew a thousand. And then last year I had about 4,500 and this year I have 11,000. So again, this is going to be its own episode, tulips are, but as cut flowers, they are planted as an annual and dug up and then you throw them away, which everyone thinks it's crazy. Everyone thinks it's expensive. It's wasteful. But the thing is, if you try to replant the bulb, the plant needs to die back naturally and then the bulb stores energy to produce another one next year. So if you cut off the flower, it doesn't store up enough energy to produce another bloom next year. Or if you do, it'll be really tiny. And again, I'm growing them to cut and sell. So my blooms need to be nice. And so that's generally pretty much all cut flower farmers do it that way. Plus, if you dig them up by the whole bulb, then you can plant something else in their place. Of those 11,000, about half of them, well, half of them are in my high tunnel and they will bloom probably the beginning of April, maybe even late March. I don't know. This is my first year doing it that way. And it takes up about half of the tunnel right now, not even. So that half will be empty in April and I'm going to plant Lysianthus in that spot. And then the other half of the tunnel has ranunculus that I'm going to plant actually in the next couple weeks, early March. So the lisianthus will go in the tulip spot and that'll be there for quite some time. And then once the ranunculus are done, I can put in some annuals that like the heat or put other stuff in their spot. So that works out pretty well. Same thing with the other half of the tulips that are planted out. I just end up putting them in the U-pick rows in the fall, exactly down those rows. And then you know, maybe that row gets planted later of something because those aren't going to be done until probably late May out in the field, but I can just reuse that spot over and over again. So those U-pick rows, like I talked about, they're four feet by 60 feet. If you do the nine inch spacing, like you do for a lot of them, that can fit 320 plants. So again, those 18 rows can each fit 320 plants. I would say in general, every zinnia produces 
at least one stem a day during the big heat of it. So that's 320 zinnias a day that I can pick from just one row. So you can you can fit a lot of plants in a small area. And again, it's not small, but it's a fourth of an acre isn't exactly huge when you're thinking of the quantity that I'm growing. And then I talked about my small garden that's like 30 by 50. That used to be the vegetable garden when Josh was alive. I do something kind of interesting down there, but it it works really well. So I'm going to talk about landscape fabric for weed barrier in its own episode. But essentially, I lay down this plastic that blocks the weeds. It's black, so it heats the soil a little bit sooner. And then in the fall, I just cut down the plants. I leave it on there. And then in the spring, that soil warms up and can be tilled up and can be worked a lot sooner. The weeds are already on there for barrier. And then all I do is just add a little bit more compost. So for me, I use chicken manure. Well, in general, I use chicken manure in the fall and I use cow manure in the spring, but I am making my own compost. But again, we'll talk about that in its own episode. So I'll peel it back, put some cow manure on it, work it into the soil. And this is usually like mid-April. And so then I put the fabric back on it. And then I can plant some quick bloomers or flowers that can tolerate a frost pretty easily down there. And again, they that's the stock and the buplerum and the orlia, which they end up, you know, they're considered hardy annuals. And then, you know, they only, they're pretty much done by the time it starts to get warmer at the beginning of July. And then I can just stick some sunflowers down there. So that garden works really well to kind of time out when the, fr- when the ground is ready to be worked, essentially. I also sow multiple sets of annuals for constant blooms. So then Once one is harvested, the next is ready. That is essentially what succession planting means. So my pro cut sunflowers, that I only get one out of them, I plant them four inches apart. And again, that's why I said people think a sunflower field would be pretty, but sunflowers on a cut flower farm isn't necessarily that pretty. So every 10 days, I'll plant about 250 of them. So then I just have this constant flush of them. You pick them when they're barely open. You can put them in the cooler and then they last a long time. Another huge benefit of succession planting is that it spreads out the work. You know, especially when I, you know, when all Josh and I did was plant vegetables, it was like, okay, well, that Memorial Weekend. Memorial Weekend's when you get your garden in. You got to get your garden. It's like, no, if you time this out really well and the amount and quantity that I'm doing, I can really just kind of divide it up and I know what has to be done first. And every few days I have to plant something, but it's not like it all has to be done at once. Like I said, I'm in zone four and we have a short growing season, usually like May 15th to September 20th. So in general, you know, look at the days to maturity on the seed packet and just make sure that you're going to have enough time. Count backwards basically from September 15th. And if it's July 1st and it says 60 days to maturity, okay, you're good. But if it's August 1st, it might end up frost hitting it before you can even pick any flowers. Here in Minnesota we get, or at least, you know, in my area, the general cut flowers that we grow, we get a lot of spring flowers like tulips and daffodils. And then there's a huge gap before everything else is ready. And it's usually like the week of the fourth or even a little later. Usually the week of the fourth, I've got enough sunflowers and snapdragons and still some orlia left from what was in late June that I can make bouquets and I can get that first week or two of subscriptions done. But I don't have enough to sell to the general public because stuff isn't ready yet. So I'm really focusing on things that bloom in 
June. This year I'll have ranunculus and then I have the 500 peony plants, just 500 peony plants. Hopefully, you know, once they're really established, you have to wait till they're really established. But after that, they can live like 100 years. So I'm really hoping that investment pays off because trust me, it was an investment physically, financially, emotionally as they arrived late. But we'll do a whole episode on peonies eventually. But that's what can hopefully really fill the gap. And then I don't know, it's just really fun to kind of experiment a little bit. Like I said, I I'm planting all of these ranunculus in the high tunnel. We're gonna do an episode about high tunnels shortly. And then also this spring, I'll have an I'm gonna do two episodes about ranunculus. I'm really excited to post them back to back around June when they are blooming. We're gonna record one now of what I think is going to happen and what I'm planning on. And then we're going to record one then and just because I know I'm going to make some mistakes and I'm planting probably way too many, but I don't know, go big or go home. What's the worst that can happen? They all die, whatever. My friend Ashley is going to be on the high tunnel episode and she just posted today how she, she unalived 3000 plants in one day, literally unalived 3000 plants in one day. And they're ranunculus, which are expensive. But that's how you learn. You just, you know, and you experiment and you, you know, and she's like, I got cocky. I don't know what else to say. I'm like, huh, sounds about right because I've got 1,800 of them coming and we'll just see. But um, I'm looking at experimenting, just even trying to maybe grow a couple hundred of them this fall because they have to bloom when it's cool out. And that could be, you know, with this second tunnel that I'm going to do, I could plant some you know, start them in trays in August and maybe get them blooming in the fall colors. And nobody in Minnesota has ranunculus in October or November. So it's just, it's really fun when you really start getting creative. And sometimes when you have that small space, you just think, okay, well, how else could I do this differently? And so you just get creative. And again, people think that I'm growing on this huge space. I have another 23 acres tillable that I rent out. I'm really contemplating if there's something cool I can do with it. You guys heard me talk about it, you know, a sunflower maze, but again, that's only blooming a couple weeks. I don't know. I mean, it'd be kind of cool to just turn it all to wildflowers, but I don't know if I want to do that. We'll see. We'll see. There's, there's options. Maybe I could throw 50 high tunnels on it and just grow ranunculus in the fall. I don't know. We'll see. Again, other tips for growing in a small space. When it comes to flowers, you really don't have to follow the packet. You can plant them a lot closer. Props to you if you heard the joke that I made in episode three about nine inches is always better. And it was an accident. I really wasn't trying to make that joke. But seriously, nine inch spacing for most of these plants does really well because they reach upward and it saves space. And again, these are annuals that are just going to die in the fall anyway. So we don't really worry about diseases too much. Um, The problem is if they're planted close together, sometimes they can't get airflow between them and you know, the bottom leaves start to rot, which yes, with your perennial plants, that's a problem. With your annuals, they're going to die when the frost comes anyway, and it really doesn't affect them. You can also consider growing in pots, raised beds. There's just a lot of options. One other thing I'm considering doing to save space is growing lilies in crates, like plastic crates, and then I can move them around and I could have them in the high tunnel all winter and then move them outside once it starts getting warm out and see if I can just force that and have that extra space. And I could just put them on like that concrete slab over by where the barn is. And I've got a huge empty cattle feedlot. I'm like, I can move the crates over there. And I don't know, just trying to manipulate where you can put things and just growing in a small space because my lawn's pretty big. My yard's pretty big, but I don't want to just dig it all up. I like having grass. So just getting creative with the small space that you have. So overall, 
less than a fourth of an acre, but pounding out the flowers. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm going to try to keep track this year of how many bouquets I sell from what I grow. So I'm not counting if I do Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, if I end up having to buy some flowers from Easter for my wholesale. I'm not counting any of the wholesale ones, but I really want to see just like how many bouquets I sell from what I grow. And on average, each bouquet has probably, I don't know, 13 to 15 stems. So do that math and just see. I just want to see how many stems I crank out for the summer. We'll see. I'll keep you guys updated at the end of the season. Is it question time? It is question time, Abby. Okay. Coming off of your comment about curiosity of how many bouquets you're going to sell off of what you grow, ballpark estimate. Just throw a number out there. Let's see if you get close at the end of the year. All right. Well, okay. I can't do this without thinking out loud. So I have, so bouquets, not stems, bouquets. Well, I know that I have 77 and 70. So 700 summer subscriptions, 70 times seven times four, 280. So like I already have like 1400 of just subscriptions. If I sell more, it could be up to like 2000 if I sell out of them. Cause I'm about two thirds, three fourths of the way there. So I would guess, and I, I think I might, like, I, I think as things get closer and people see the subscriptions and stuff, they will. So, okay, let's go with, let's go with 2000 there. Cause it's easy math, even though I want to say, Oh, 1800, but let's go with 2000. I know I'm doing a STEM bar every week at a secret location. I'm not supposed to reveal where it's at yet, but it's really exciting. Um, hot tea, hot tea. Yeah. <laughs> so that goes from mid May through mid-September so 14 weeks times another 20 there and then I have my nursing home sponsorships that are already sold and those are about 40 bouquets a week so that's another 400 I'm gonna guess I'll probably clear 5,000 this year that's a lot that's a lot that's a lot of bouquets but I don't know last year was about 3,000 and it's just insane to think that you're doing this on less than a quarter of an acre yeah so year one was about 200 bouquets but it was 200 sold 201 and then for every one that I did I did buy one give one for nursing home subscriptions or nursing home sponsorships so that was like 400 that I made and then the next year it was over a thousand because I sold about five times as many from year one to year two and then year two to year three last year was about three thousand I figured with all the stem bars and everything yeah I bet we'll clear five thousand this year I don't know I don't know I we should clear five thousand that's insane. holy cow holy cow <laughs> Lindsay if you're listening get your scissors and knife ready we gotta <laughs> we got some stems to cut strap on that apron yeah <laughs> to do we'll see I'm excited to see what that number is at the end of the year now I have to keep accurate records okay next question as your succession planting and you say you plant like 250 sunflowers every 10 days is that what the numbers were yeah something like that roughly so I, about how much work a week goes into succession planting. Oh man. So this year I'm really hoping to like one day is for succession planting. One day is for weeding. I mean, just a few hours here and there. When I do succession planting for the most part, I like it to be stuff that I can just pop seeds in the ground. I don't really mess around with succession planting big trays of flowers because if I have to start a seed, you know, if it's something that, oh, it doesn't do as great when you start it right in the ground, start it in a tray first, let it grow for four weeks, water it, keep it alive, and then put it in the field. Like It's just a lot of work and time. So I usually don't do successions, second successions of stuff like that. A lot of flower farmers across the U.S. will do a second succession planting of like snapdragons. But here we have such a short growing season and it gets, I mean, we really don't have much of a spring it just goes from cold to hot very shortly it's not like we have this 
five month spring like other places have. So I just don't mess around with the second one. And I think most zone four farmers don't do that. So yeah, I would say I try to just be mindful of keeping it as limited as possible, but okay. And then the last question I have. So when you are working with your less than quarter of an acre of fields, do you separate all of your different fields by like cut and come again, the medium one, the one and done? Are they all in their own kind of field or do you mix them up together? So usually, I think we talked about this in one of the earlier episodes, but I really try to do is that you pick area. Those are flowers that, yep, cut and come again. Because if someone accidentally cuts one of my whatever, I don't want to get upset <laughs> or just, you know, I don't want to have to babysit. I want everyone to have a good time. I don't want to have to say, okay, well, this row, this row, this row are off limits, but the rest you can do. And so I I try to just keep the more needy plants farther away from that area. And then, you know, like I said, maybe I'll cut a bucket of them and they can buy them a la carte or maybe a few are included with the UPIC. I haven't quite decided, honestly. I'll probably just leave it up to my customers and like, okay, this is roughly what I know that I need. And it just, I don't know. It's kind of funny. I think people would rather pay more to have less rules and okay, fine. We'll do that. I think, well, how do I say that? I don't think they'd want to pay more for less rules. They just, they're willing to pay a few dollars more for the bouquet that they want. And if it's like, oh, well you get one or two sunflowers. If they're like, no, I just want to pick some sunflowers here. And I don't care that it's an extra $5 more or whatever it ends up being. Mm -hmm. Okay, sweet. Okay. That's all I got for questions. Awesome. Well, thank you. And yeah, this was a fun one. I hope this was very informative and yeah, encourages you to grow a lot of flowers in a small space. Thanks for listening to the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Sunny Mary Meadow. Subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymarymeadow.com. And if you have questions or comments or anything to say, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com. 